Hey there, welcome to today's Take Heart. Hope you're doing okay. As a church family, we're currently reading through John's Gospel. And if you want to join with us, you can find the reading plan on our website under the Eyes on Jesus section. But the uh, the reading for yesterday was the wedding at Cana in Galilee from John chapter 2, verses 1 to 12. I'm not going to read it because we've only got a few minutes, but just to tell you in a nutshell what happens, Jesus goes to a wedding, uh, a village wedding with his disciples and his mum. And uh, partway through the wedding, they run out of wine. And so his mum comes to him and says, can, can you do something? And, and he tells the servants to fill these big jars full of water. He transforms the water into wine. And, uh, and then it says in verse 11, what Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. Now, John's, John's deliberately recorded in his gospel seven signs, seven miracles. And the whole point of using that word sign is a sign points to something else. A sign points to something beyond itself. And the miracles of Jesus in the gospel point always back to the person of Jesus. And they show us his glory. And uh, one of the things I'm finding quite fun about reading John's gospel is everything that happens, it's almost like it's happening on two levels. So you've got the surface level stuff, what, what just happens, the simple kind of narrative. But then also beneath the surface, if we dig a little bit, it's not hard to find other things that are being communicated in a kind of like a, in a richer way than just simply the story on the surface. And so let's read the story of the winning at Cana on both of those levels. The first level is just the simple story of what happens. So uh, Jesus and his disciples turn up at this, this village wedding. And a, a wedding like this would have been a massive deal for the village. Life was hard. And so any opportunity to kind of really stop and celebrate would have been looked forward to massively. And, um, and, and it would have been involving probably most of the village. Uh, certainly people from neighboring villages came. That's why Mary was there, Jesus's mom and, and Jesus himself. And uh, they, they would have this big feast that would go on well over a day. The, the couple would be married on the evening after the feast and they would, um, they would kind of be processed to their new home all the way through the village, the longest route they could find so that everyone got the chance to wish them well. And uh, I just love the image of Jesus going to a wedding. And I know if I was one of his disciples back in the day, I would have been looking at my watch the whole time. I'd have been thinking, we've got three years to save the world <laughs> and we're at a wedding reception like you know we're making small talk um you know and I, I know Jesus would have probably just said to me you need to just you need to calm down Andy and eat one of these little crackers that's that's coming around on a plate because he's there God almighty eating olives and having a dance and hanging out with his disciples and his mum I love that picture of him and then of course they run out of wine and um, in order to kind of understand that, what that would have meant for those involved, we have to get that in the Middle East, hospitality is a sacred duty. And to fail in that at any point is not good. But for, for you to run out of wine at a wedding is a social disgrace. It's a disaster, really. And for the, the wedding couple and their family, what that would have meant would have been shame humiliation just imagine uh, for them it would have been talked about for a long long time um, for the wedding couple they might have even imagined it to have been bad luck over their marriage and uh, and so it's a big deal for those involved 
And yet at the same time, this is kind of a little village that no one's ever heard of. It's, it's a marriage between a couple that aren't even named in the gospel, who are very likely not particularly wealthy. And um, so on like a global stage, this is not a huge occasion. Uh, it's the opposite. It's a tiny occasion. And you'd expect if Jesus is going to do the first of his great signs that reveal his majestic glory, it would be maybe in the capital city, Jerusalem, maybe in front of a crowd of thousands, not just at somebody's wedding. Um, and yet this is where he chooses to do it. He does a big thing uh, in a simple, homely setting. And I love the fact that Jesus, the Lord of life and the King of glory, uses his power to save an, a poor Galilean wedding couple from humiliation. And it says that shows us his glory. And to my mind, what that says is that his glory is his kindness. It's his character, it's his goodness. And I mean, my, my word does he step up and save the day because he transforms, we're told, these gallons, you know, these, these jars held between 20 and 30 gallons of water. I mean, there's six of them. So, so uh, I did a little maths on my calculator and I worked out he's making here basically well over um, 800 bottles of wine. <laughs> oh my word. That, that's crazy. That's like ridiculous amount of wine. And we're told that it is incredibly good wine. It's amazing. It's like an Argentinian Molbeck or a Chateau Neuf de Pat. He makes 800 bottles of it. The only person I know who has that kind of kind of overestimation when it comes to quantities is the Greek with whom I do this podcast. You know, if I say to Mike, oh, I'm feeling a tiny bit peckish, I, I need a snack. He'll say, OK, I'll uh, just make you a whole leg of lamb. And so Jesus and Mike are on that kind of level in terms of what they, the amount they think is needed. Oh, Jesus, we're running out of wine. OK, let me just make 800 bottles of the very best wine. It's, it's extravagant. It's over the top. It's very, very kind. And that is, that is the glory of our God, among other things, his, his kindness. And what I love about this is it means I can come to him with my shame and with those things that I find humiliating and those things that scare me. And I know that it's the same Jesus that we follow today. And he's incredibly kind. Also, what it brings to my mind is a little challenge. You know what? If I want to represent him to those around me, I, I, I want to remind myself to never underestimate the power of kindness and the fact that it does show the glory of our, our Jesus. So that's a surface level reading of it. Let's dig a little bit beneath the surface. I read some some commentaries on, on this and I was just like, oh my word. I was like, there's so much in here I'd never seen. So... One is, this is a wedding feast. And that speaks of the great wedding feast that we're told is going to happen um, when, when God returns, ultimately. We're going to be, it's a picture of it in Revelation, we're going to be the bride of Christ, the church. He's going to be the bridegroom, and there's going to be a party. Um, the water, which, which uh, is in these big stone jars, and when we're told it's the jars that they used for purification, for ceremonial washing. The Jews would wash their hands before they ate and they'd wash their hands in between each course. And it's the water in these jars that is transformed into wine. And the deeper kind of symbolic meaning of that, the wine represents 
the blood of Jesus. And it speaks to us of the fact that Jesus's blood purifies us and it cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Of course, there's a, a ridiculous amount of wine, an almost inexhaustible amount of wine, more wine than anyone could ever drink. And in the same way that the grace of Jesus represented by his blood is inexhaustible. You'll never get to the end of it. There's nothing. It covers every single sin. Everyone. And there's more than enough for us. Um, the head waiter, when he receives the cup of wine, he says, this is the best wine. You know, normally people have the best wine first and the cheap stuff at the end. But you guys have saved the best till now. Again, remembering that the wine represents blood. In the Jewish sacrificial system, the blood of bulls and goats was what was used to cleanse them from sin. And then Jesus came and his blood cleanses us from sin. And in, in, in the, the letter to the Hebrews, it says um, that the blood of bulls and goats can never cleanse us from sin, which is why the sacrifices kept having to be made until the blood of Jesus, which effectively speaks a better word, a final word over us. The best wine has been saved to the end of the story. It's the blood of Jesus himself, the blood of God's only begotten son. Of course, what's happening here also is this is a miracle of transformation. And uh, it happens on the third day, we're told. On the third day, there's a wedding at Cana in Galilee. What's John hinting at when he says that on the third day, Jesus took water and he transformed it into the very best wine? I think what he's hinting at is that at the end of the story, at the end of the Gospels, we read that on the third day, Jesus rose from death to life. Um, and not just any life, but abundant life, resurrection life, eternal life. Life that's, that's full, not just in its quantity, but in its quality. It's a miracle of transformation, and it's a picture of our future, but it also happened right there in the middle of everyday life, in a village in Cana, in Galilee, because Jesus turned up. And in the same way today, when Jesus turns up in our lives, our ordinary, dry lives that at the moment are full of fear, they're lacking in hope, they're full of anxiety, they're full of doubt, we feel like dreams have, have been left behind or forgotten. When Jesus walks in to the quote-unquote flat uh, party that's running out of steam that is our life and he's present, then what happens is he takes it and he transforms it, not just into something a little bit better, but into fullness and into abundance. And I want to say to him, Lord, do that in my life today. Do that in this area of my life and that area of my life. And a final thought on it. It's worth pondering the fact that this miracle of transformation happened when some servants took seriously the words of Jesus's mother. And uh, she said to them, do whatever he tells you. What might happen through us today if we did whatever he told us. See you soon.